Great listeners aren't just reflecting things back to somebody. Great listeners are also helping others share more. See, great communicators are listening, observing, asking about feelings, emotion. Hey, it's Brendan dropping in here on something special. I think the most important thing you can do in your life is to train yourself for real personal growth and success. What does that mean anyway? Well, you have to train your mindset and train your discipline so you can follow real habits of success so that you can break through, so you can win the day more often, so you can crush through all those fears and actually unlock your real potential for abundance and happiness and power and joy. But how? Well, like all learning and all breakthroughs, you have to choose first to learn, to learn from the best, to invest in yourself, to do the work, to do the daily work. You have to train with the best, and that's why we created Growth Day's Mastery Program. Listen, we're going to train you to make self-improvement a real way of life, to unlock your positive attitude and attributes at a whole new level, to get you way more productive and influential, to show you the life and career strategies that make you unstoppable and really work. But how do we do that? Well, every single week we bring you a new $50,000 or $100,000 keynote speaker, multimillionaire, or world's foremost expert to switch your brain into high performance mode, to teach you what really works in wellness, in health, in mindset, in productivity. People who really help you unblock and move ahead with really practical strategies for changing your life, your relationships, your health, your career, your mission, your purpose. Every month, we unlock a new course that would have cost you thousands of dollars to buy from other teachers on brain health or positive psychology or confidence. Every year, we give you free tickets to an unbelievable motivational and transformational seminar. Every day, I give you an advanced life coaching audio to keep your mind sharp energized, focused, motivated, confident, ready to serve and to lead and to win and build your greatest future at the levels you dream of. And I promise you, you are capable of. Every day can truly be a growth day for you, but it takes mastery in life. And that's why we have our new program, Mastery Level in Growth Day. You can go to yearofmastery.com and it will direct you to our best program in Growth Day. This is for those who really want the advanced level, who really want a breakthrough, who are tired of, hey, listen, podcasts are great, but training is another level. Go to yearofmastery.com. You deserve to join the world's number one membership for advanced personal growth and success right now. This is a membership of the real people doing the real work who have a positive mindset, a growth mindset, a willingness to be a role model, to be a leader, to serve, who desperately and deeply and joyfully love personal development, to challenge themselves, to push themselves, to achieve great things in life. Go to yearofmastery.com. Let's go. Yearofmastery.com. So what makes you a great communicator? If, if, if you and I have lunch and I walk away and I'm like, wow, she was a great communicator. Why am I going to say that? 
usually because you helped elicit my feelings, you helped elicit my goals, and you helped elicit my process. How's it going? Great listeners aren't just reflecting things back to somebody. Great listeners are also helping others share more. And what do the people love to share? They love to share things about their life, their passions, their interests. Okay, you can reflect those things back to people. But if you go one level deeper, and you're the person who helps people share their feelings around you, I mean, isn't that funny? The most advanced communication strategy in the world is to elicit emotion more, elicit emotion more, to ask about their feeling. So when they describe their day, instead of you saying, oh, then what did you do next? That's like procedural. And say, it's like, oh, how did you feel about that? I, uh, some of you guys know, I was lucky to work with and know and, and um, do business with one of the persons considered one of the great interviewers in history. Uh, two different types of people. Uh, with Larry King, is a great friend and a mentor and done work with him. And Oprah Winfrey, great friend and mentor and done work with her. Both of them are master, master listeners. Something I learned from Larry that I'll never forget, that I will never forget, is I was kind of asking him what makes a great interviewer. And he gave me this example of the question. One of the first questions he asked Mark Zuckerberg, who's the CEO of Facebook, as you guys know, right? So the CEO of Facebook. So think about this. You have the opportunity to interview Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, at a time, especially when they interviewed, was you know the pretty much the biggest conversation in the tech world, the fastest growing company in the tech world. It was right everything. So you get to sit down with somebody who's building the biggest platform literally in the history of the planet. They're running it. What are you going to ask them? Here's what Larry told me. He asked Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook. His first question, or sorry, his favorite question to him was, so um, Mark, what's it feel like to be the CEO of Facebook? What's it like to be the CEO of Facebook? He went right to trying to get to like, what, it, what, it, what does that feel like? That's a big company. You know, you reach, you know, 2 billion people now. What's that feel like? See, great communicators are listening, observing, asking about feelings, emotion, right? Oprah's magic on her set was she was able, through her vulnerability and her openness, for 25 years on television at the top, to be able to have people feel so comfortable with her presence that they would openly share their feelings where well, it wouldn't happen on other shows, right? You watch Oprah Winfrey and then you watch like, you know, a news television broadcast. It's completely different, the engagement she had with other people because she was willing to go into emotion. You've got to be willing to go into emotion. If you're trying to do anything with people, lead them, persuade them, sell, help, serve, emotion has to bubble up. You need to elicit feeling from people way more often, way more often. It's, it's not just, hey, honey, how did school go today? Well, I went to this class. I had this for lunch. This kid was nice. This kid wasn't. It's like, how did you feel about that? How did you feel about that? What were you feeling when that was happening? 
These types of questions are so basic and people forget to ask them, but that's what's really advanced because that's what elicits more. What's advanced in communication strategies? What does, what elicits more? What elicits more? But not just more information, more feeling. So I said, you're listening for three things. Feelings, goals. This is so important. Great coaches, as an example, always say, oh, so once they get the feeling, oh, what did you want to feel? What did you want from that? What are you hoping is going to happen? If everything was great, what's next month look like? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to do by the end of this month, the end of this year? Right? Just getting people to speak about their goals, their desires, their ambition, their hopes, their dreams. Great communicators do that with people. You know, really great communicators do that. I've been blessed to work with two different presidents, two different U.S. presidents, one Democratic, one Republican. So don't you freak out. And what I noticed in both of them, in both of them, their ability to have a conversation with people and ask them about their family and what they want for their family. Think about that. The greatest politicians in the world are talking about this is what you probably want for your family or asking, what would you like for your family? What do you hope for in your career? What would you like this nation to be like? What would you like this country to be like? That question of what are our goals here? What are we trying to do here? What do you want? What are you after? That's the questions of great communicators. So I said feelings, goals, and this last place, which is so important, process. Process. Tell me how you did that. What were you thinking through when you were doing that? What did you want when you were doing that? How did that turn out? If you could do it again, what different? What would you do differently? This is, these are procedure, these are process questions, right? Questions about not just how's it going, but how are they feeling, thinking, and experiencing how it is going? Think about this pandemic right now, right? All you gotta do is go, pandemic, how's that going for you, <laughs> right? And immediately people start talking at you. Boy, if you've ever wanted to communicate with people, this is the year of talking through how they've managed a pandemic, economic melee, political disc, like it's so easy to engage people in conversation this year, right? Because what do most people usually talk about? How was your commute this morning? How was the weather? But now we have bigger things to talk about, larger concerns. And because of that, it's easier to get conversation going, but a lot of people forget about process, you know? Did you talk with your family about how these last 30 days went for them? how they felt, what they wanted, where they want next month, how they want it to go now. Literally on this conversation, uh, on a walk this morning with my wife, uh, before I even talked about what I was talking about here today, we we're just talking about, oh, okay, well, we survived October, right? Okay, got through that is culturally, economically in the world with the businesses. It's like, great, but what, what do we want now? Like we're always kind of, Recalibrate, how do we want our day to go? We talked about morning routines or we talked about like what we want to learn and just in a conversation about what do we want it to be like now? Great communicators and great relationships and couples are always talking about that. How do we want to live? What, what do you want from this life? What do you want from this life? What do we want together? How should we do this journey together? That's process, right? Communicators are doing that all the time. What should this feel like? What should this be about? How do we want it to go? That's process. We're gonna talk about your confidence. And I am really excited to break down a framework for you. And I hope in doing this, help you realize where 
some of those dark days come from where you lose faith in yourself. Where those dark days come from when you know you have a lot to do, but you just don't feel like you can figure it out. Where that, you know, when you get to go out in the world again, or when you're on a Zoom and you got to show yourself to the world, and you feel awkward or weird or insecure, that you, you tap back into that authentic strength, that truth of who you are. And that as you go through your life, you feel confident that no matter what life is going to throw at you, you're going to learn, you're going to figure it out, you're going to develop your capabilities. And many of you are going through really hard times right now. Sometimes it's just hard to even be positive. You can be so consumed and so overwhelmed by the negativity of other things out there. You just go, oh my gosh, this is just hard to feel good, let alone confident. I'm going to break down a framework that I hope some of you are familiar with, but today we're going to talk about it in a, a, with a different lens of how to overcome insecurities and what specific daily and monthly habits you might set up for yourself to feel more strong. So this is a piece of paper. It's a framework for confidence that I have on a board in my office. See, we need reminders. We are visual humans. We need to look at something to remind ourselves of something. And so, you see, I have this, I'll share this with you in a minute, but I want to get the practice in your mind. The practice in your mind is you should have instructions to yourself on a wall somewhere. So you're like, if you walked into my office and say, Brandon, why do you have a framework for confidence on your wall over there? And I go, well, because sometimes I don't feel confident. And what do we do when we don't feel something? Well, when we don't feel something that we want to feel, we tend to feel not good because like, I don't feel this, so I feel bad about myself. Or we tend to distract ourselves. I don't like this feeling, so I don't know what to do, so let me just scroll through the internet. So to me, what I've done is I've got a board over here and there's my framework for happiness. Do you have a framework for happiness on your wall yet? So that when you don't feel happy, you go, I don't feel happy, what's going on with me? And you can just go look at it and go, ah, I've got my checklist for happiness right there. I forgot point number three. No wonder I'm not happy. What I'm trying to suggest to you is maybe you give yourself a checklist, a framework, a set of instructions for the feelings that you really want to experience in life. And when you're not feeling it, instead of retreating into the comforts of distraction, you go back to your instructions. You know what makes you feel good. And it's time to write that down and look at it more consistently. Here we go. This is my confidence checklist. This is my framework for confidence. I'm gonna break down each of these areas. And even if you've seen this maybe before with me, what I'd love to do is break down where these grow into trouble, where these are developed and strengthened, where these can be applied in your life financially, in your life in your marriage or your relationship with your partner, with the kids. So I'm gonna break down each of those things, each of those areas. I'll use a, a card here for, for you. We're gonna start with that very first card here, clarity. Human beings are a goal-directed species. If we don't have clarity on what we want, if we don't have clarity on who we are, if we don't have clarity on what our intentions are in social relationships, it's unnerving to us. Well, if you ever felt lost in life, you know that feeling, it's coming from a lack, A, 
often of clarity. We'll talk about this. You just don't know who you are, what you're about, what you want anymore. And, and it's unsettling when you lack clarity. It's really unsettling. You're like, ah, I, 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 don't, I don't know what I'm about anymore. And this is where midlife crises come in. Clarity is something that's it's like knowledge or a goal or an aim, but it's loosely held. What I mean by that is like, okay, that's important to me, but I can be flexible and adaptive as well. It's not this idea that you have total 100% complete certainty and you're total certain all the time. Ah, it's like that, that is a adolescent dream. No, there is no absolute certainty in anything in life, right? And so we have to go, oh, okay, I, I can have clear direction or I can be strongly committed to this thing, but lots of people who are absolutely certain about something shifts months later. So here's my question for you. On a scale of one to 10, in the last 60 days, how clear have you been about what you wanted in life? Did you start the day with some clarity about how you wanted to live that day, show up that day, treat other people that day, serve that day? So let's think about where sometimes you feel insecure. You're gonna to go to that party or that networking function, you feel insecure about yourself. Why? Because in your mind, the insecurity in, in that moment, in that situation of the networking situation or the party is coming from, I don't know who I am in here. I don't know these people and who I'm supposed to be with them. I don't know where to go or where to stand or, or who to talk to. And so just it's unnerving. The insecurity is I don't know what to do in the situation. Now that type of confidence or lack thereof is something that psychologists call self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is about, I don't know what to do in this situation. That's where the insecurity comes from. Positive self-efficacy means I believe that I know what to do in this situation. I can handle this. Even if I don't know how yet, I believe I can handle this. I have the competence to take this on, as an example. That's positive. But a lot of things in life you don't know how to deal with. You don't have self-efficacy because you don't know how to handle it yet. This is a new party. You don't know anybody in it. It's a new networking event. You've never met any of these people. How do you get more confidence in that? Well, one simple thing you can do is start with clarity. Like, okay, I'm gonna go talk to people. What's something I'd love to share about myself with every new person I meet? Oh, okay, lock that in. Okay, got it. What's one question I could ask every new person I meet? Okay, let me lock that in. Okay, just those two things have been found to dramatically increase people's sense of confidence in social situations. I know what I'm gonna share about myself, I have clarity on it. I know what I'm gonna ask them, I have clarity on it. Just those two simple things. The problem with clarity is it's a double-edged sword. A lot of people, their clarity is, I'm awful, I'm worthless, I'm no good. And they've stacked up all these experiences to strengthen that belief and their clarity is, well, I'm a jerk. I don't deserve success. I won't have success. They've got clarity, but they got the wrong kind of clarity. See, confidence requires positive clarity, not negative self-defeating clarity. So clarity is a double-edged sword. If you believe the wrong thing about yourself, that's gonna hurt you too. So what's the opposite of that? Well, I'm gonna start viewing myself positively. How can we do that? Well, you know what? Maybe each day for the next 10 days, I'm gonna write down a strength that I have. Write down 
10 positive things about yourself every day for the next 10 days, watch what happens for you. It starts shifting your perception of yourself. Here, my little framework, we're gonna go from clarity now to congruence. Congruence is living in alignment with what you know is the best of you. Living in alignment with the best of who you are. Living in alignment with your values. When you are not congruent, your brain logs that. And what it says in that log, that log entry, not living your word, not living your truth, not doing what you said you would do. And too many of those negative withdrawals sucks away your confidence. But here's what you need. To be congruent, what do you need? Clarity. You say, okay, these are my values. These are my beliefs. This is what I think is important as a human being, as a parent, as a caregiver, as a leader. Congruence measures whether or not you're doing what you said you're gonna do, and that's important. So here's the simplest fix. If you've been pulling too many withdrawals out of that bank account, it's time to put some back in. And so today might be the day you go, where have I been incongruent? Where do I say something and I don't do it? Where are you out of congruence? And can you do the simple acts? Sometimes when you're out of congruence, first you just apologize to yourself. You say, you know what? Gosh, Brendan, I, I haven't been honest with myself. Let's make a change. I think the fastest path back into congruence is an apology. An apology to yourself, an apology to other persons. It takes a lot of guts to say you are wrong. It takes a lot of guts to acknowledge you could do better. This one's fundamental. You get to decide today what to be congruent with. You get to decide who you are and you get to decide to show up and live into that. Third big idea, competence, right? Competence, it's a collection of knowledge, skill, talents, and abilities. The good news is you can increase this. So here's what I want you to do. Every day, every day I want you to have clarity on what skills you are working on in your life. That's how we're gonna get competence. Competence for too many people comes two years too late. Why? Because they wait too long to start developing a skill. Every day, I'm very clear about what I'm trying to improve. Every day I'm learning something, but I'm learning not just casually or, or passively. I'm going, I'm trying to get better at this thing. I want you all to have an ambition to have one or two or three skill sets that you're literally world-class in, that you're world-class in. Not because you need the ego that I am world-class. No, 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 because you need the challenge. You know why a lot of people lack confidence? They never engage challenge. You want more confidence? Engage and challenge more often. The more challenge you engage in and you incrementally improve in it, the more your brain goes, yep, there I did, I did it again. And what happens when you don't have confidence, you don't engage in challenge. When you don't engage in challenge, you don't get more competence. So you don't get that competence, confidence loop we were talking about, the flywheel. 
Y'all follow? So for those of you, if you're like, but I just lack confidence, like challenge yourself more. But you're like, but I'm lacking confidence. I'm like, exactly, exactly. See, it doesn't, you, you're going, well, I'll get confidence, then I'll do the challenging things. I'm like, the other way around. The other, you want more confidence, do challenging things more often. When you do challenging things more often, you learn. When you learn, competence, confidence. Connection. When you don't have a connection with yourself or others, confidence goes down. So you wanna feel more confident in life? Reconnect with yourself and others. With yourself, that's your morning routine. Lock in that morning routine. The more you feel connected to self, the more confident you are, but you need the time to connect to yourself away from the email, the social media, the obligations for the kids, the family, the husbands, the spouses, the team, everything else. You need that moment where you're like out and connecting with yourself, with your thoughts. You need time to think and to feel again. So turn off the TV, go for the walk, put down the phone, do the meditation. Get away from the, the, the social thing one, you know, 10 minutes earlier so you can sit in the car and just think before you go home. You need more space to be thinking and connecting with self. So build that in your life, self-connection. Second part, the most important part, we know environment dramatically shapes your confidence. The connection you have with the people around you. This means be around positive people, contribute around positive people, learn from positive people. It means create great relationships in your life. I want you all to improve this one. Simple action, simple daily, weekly, real life action. You must start sharing your real thoughts, feelings, desires, and goals with the people around you. You gotta do it more often. Here's where you lack confidence in life. When you won't share your truth because you're worried what everyone else thinks. That's what high schoolers do. You don't do that anymore. You're too damn old. Now you share your truth with other people and realize most of them won't get it, won't understand why it's important, won't support you, won't care, or at least won't get in your way and say anything at all. But the less you speak your truth to other people, the more superficial your connections are with them. Number five is capability. Competence is the knowing, the knowledge, skill, talent, ability. Capability is you can do it, you can do it every time. It is like a strength, if you will. It is something that is, you are highly capable at that thing. You are at another level of skill that it shows up every single time. But here's the truth, capability, Capability is as much as a mindset as a competence. Let me give you an example. A lot of extremely smart people who can handle the problem don't handle the problem because they don't feel capable. It's like, yeah, I know it, but I don't do it. See, there's a difference between knowledge and execution, which is often the difference between competence and capability. See, Competence is like the foundation and a stored value, but it's expressed through execution, capability. You wanna develop capability? It means you get in the mix, you do the work, you show up, you try. Capability means I know I will execute. 
That's what, to me, confident capabilities. I know I will execute. How do you do that? You have to be more consistent in your execution. You need to be way more consistent in your execution. We talked about decision earlier. Decision is great. Action is required. We've got to get you to execute more of those to-do lists. You want more success? You want more joy? You want more confidence? You got to execute more of the plans. Capability is self-trust to take the action. It's not just, do I know how to take the action? It's, I'm, go, I'm, a, I'm an action taker. I'm going to show up. I'm capable to handle this. I will do this. I trust in myself to handle this, to execute, to execute again and again and again and again and again. That's capability. And I really want you to develop that in your heart and in your soul by checking off the simplest of things each day. By If you have a list of three to-do lists, if you wrote down your three top priorities for the day, do those first before you do your social media, before you reply to everyone's DMs, inbox, uh, you know, uh, voice message, text. It's like, listen, I have so many people who uh, they spend all day just checking their email to reply to everybody else. Now, that's fine if that's your job. If that's customer service, do that. That's your job. But if you're an entrepreneur, as an example, or you have a whole list of other priorities and you're just checking into other people's agendas all day to meet all their obligations, and you keep missing your key priorities day after day after day after day, your brain doesn't feel like you're capable anymore. Even though you might be smart, you're competent, but your brain doesn't believe you're capable. Last big idea today, contribution. You want confidence, give more. You want confidence, make your difference. You want confidence, do things that matter. Why? Because A, those things are celebrated in the world. Generous giving people tend to have greater what? Connections with other people. Generous, giving, caring, hardworking people tend to have what? More clarity about who they are. They're more congruent. These things, they feel more capable. Like generosity, doing things that matter, giving strengthens the whole rest of the model. The whole model drives itself when you've got each of these pieces running, right? Each of these pieces touches one another. Contribution's a key. It really is. Sometimes when you feel so bad about yourself, you're not going to shake yourself out of that. But what can shake yourself out of that is service. Sometimes you got to get out of your own head. And to me, what has created a great confidence and reverence for life in my life has been, I've been volunteering most of my life. When you're a volunteer, when you show up for others, when you volunteer to help out, whether it's as simple as helping a friend move or going down to the local soup kitchen or volunteering for that nonprofit cause that you like or, or running that fundraiser, even though you don't know how, those contributions make a difference. Maybe your contribution is your art. Maybe your contribution is your time. Maybe your contribution is financial. Maybe your contribution is mentorship. Maybe your contribution is your content or your book or your work. Whatever that is, if you can do the same thing where you, can, where you can give generously to it, give to your work, be generous to that contribution, be in the moment in, when you're serving someone who is in need, 
you get a little more spirit inside. And when that spirit of goodness is inside, you can share it more too. Hey, it's Brandon. I'm jumping in here to tell you about another show on the Growth Day Podcast Network. Yes, both of my shows are on the Growth Day Podcast Network. My show, Motivation with Brandon Burchard and Marketing with Brandon Burchard. Those two shows are sponsored by the Growth Day Podcast Network. But we have four other incredible shows that we have launched with. The first show is Straight Up with Trent Shelton. Trent is just an incredible motivational speaker. If you've never seen this guy on stage or listened to his podcast, go subscribe to Straight Up with Trent Shelton. He's got over 12 million fans online. Why? Because he just brings the fire. He's so incredibly passionate. He's so knowledgeable about the struggles we have with our mental health, with our relationships. Um, And like I said, He's just absolutely a beast on stage. When you see Trent bring it, it's so incredible. Well, his podcast is a reflection of that. I mean, Trent's one of those guys charging 50 or $100,000 per keynote talk, and you can go access his podcast for free. That absolutely blows my mind. That's why I love podcasting. So go just subscribe to Straight Up with Trent Shelton. It's an incredible show that will keep you inspired You'll hear about his real life struggles as he's trying to deal with his health. You know, being a former NFL player, an athlete when he gets injured or how he's trying to build his business or how he's trying to maintain positive relationship in his life where as a creator, you know, so many people are judgmental. He's an incredible force in this world, a great friend and somebody I know you'll learn a lot from. I just love his episodes. So go to Straight Up with Trent Shelton and subscribe today. Hey gang, it's Brendan. I'm going to change gears real quick and talk about another show here on the Growth Day Podcast Network, Lori Harder. Her show is called Earn Your Happy. This is a monster podcast if you've never heard of it before. Earn Your Happy is all about Lori talking with people and sharing her own journey of being an entrepreneur and trying to find happiness in life. And I love her phrase, earn your happy. You know, if you've ever heard me tell my car accident story, I felt like at that moment, I got life's golden ticket, that second chance. But I also felt like this this feeling that I had to earn it, to earn that second chance. So when I got to know Lori and she told me her show was called Earn Your Happy, I was like, ah, it's one of my favorite words in the English language, earn to earn the gifts we've been given, to earn the life that we want, to work for it, to strive for it. I just love it. And Lori is like listening to her episodes. I told her the other day, I was like, it's kind of like listening to a best friend talk about, you know, their ambitions and what they're trying to do. And she's such a great interviewer as well, by the way, that I think you're gonna get new perspectives about life. You'll laugh a lot, you'll be motivated, and you'll learn from somebody who's out there actually doing the work, building a great business and life and family. Go subscribe to Lori Harder's podcast. It's called Earn Your Happy. You can subscribe anywhere you're listening, including right now on this platform. So please go subscribe to Lori Harder's 
Earn Your Happy Podcast. How do you create remarkable and long-lasting friendships? And I'm talking about the kind of friendships that you love, the friendships that bring you alive, that bring you that connection, that help life feel more even meaningful, that help you progress and feel supported, help you be seen, help you feel a, a true connection with, with not just others, but with humanity, because the people around you are awesome. And when the people around you are awesome, you know you feel better about life. But we also went through this crazy last 18 months where so many people were isolated, where we had so much turmoil, so much conflict, so much in just uncertainty and fear in the world, where I really believe friendships really elevated and you could see whether or not you had great friends throughout this pandemic or you didn't. You were able to see whether or not you got the support that you needed whether or not you were able to maintain your, your sense of vibrancy in some of those times of aloneness, whether or not you had people who cheered you on when you decided to make a transition, start something new, or the kids left the house, or you got sick, or something was going on that was difficult in your life. We look to our friends, and I think that this is a very undervalued conversation in mental health. So much about the mental health conversation is appropriately about self-awareness, is it's about mindfulness, it's about taking care of our stressors, and a lot of it is that solo work that we all have to do for self-mastery. But I can tell you that, you know, the great universities of the world, the psychology department is right near the sociology department, because they go together. Like, we are social beings. And when you lose that social connection with the world, which usually starts through lack of disciplined habits with your friends, then suddenly life loses its color. And I think this is so important. You're gonna hear me talk about friendship today in a way you probably haven't heard before, very much from what we would call a high-performance psychology perspective. And I think you're gonna love this. So if you've been struggling with friendships in your lifetime, not either having enough friends or not having the quality of friends that you've always wanted, this is a serious conversation today. I, I, don't, I can't imagine a time, at least in my life so far, where friendships were so incredibly important. I get to share some of the things that really have worked, not just in my life and my friendships, but in studying this work deeply over the years, in recognizing how many people are entrepreneurs, high achievers, people who are trying to make great impact in the world. You're here today, and sometimes that journey can feel very lonely, or when you get to the top, it can feel lonely, they say, and I'm like, I kind of believe what my friend Brian Tracy and mentor said to me one time. He said, if it's lonely at the top, you did it wrong. Not that, ooh, that's good. That's good because maybe sometimes we value today progress. We value today getting things done. We value that top mountain of achievement. And then we look around and go, oh, nobody really knows me. I don't feel a connection to others. Yeah, I got the thing, the house, the car, the bank account, the accolades, the Instagram page, and all of a sudden though, you, you, something's missing. And friendship is one of the greatest vehicles to the real psychology of well-being 
that we talk about here at Growth Day. And I'm gonna share with you a secret today, just a simple phrase, you're gonna go, oh my gosh, that's why my friendships aren't going right. So you're gonna love this session. I say that triangle, right, of well-being that we talk about growth day. Aliveness is one of the things we all want after we had everything else, right? Another thing we want is connection. We're not after casual friendships here today. We're, we're, at, we're at like, how do I create authentic, deep, trusting, vulnerable, fun, real relationships? Because how many of you have ever had friendships that turned out to be fake? You thought you had a good friendship and that thing turned out to be not so good or poisonous or, you know, somebody like weren't, they weren't loyal to you as a friend or they lied to you or, you know, something went wrong. You thought, what, what, how could that happen in that relationship? And I always tell like friendships are a science of relationship. Right? It, it's about how you create relationships with others. And I'm going to give you, again, a phrase that will really help you with this today. And then if it's true that we want aliveness and connection, this triangle, another thing that we want is meaning. Well, meaning isn't achieved just by living your purpose each day in your own head. Meaning is achieved through a social relationship network. My sense of meaning is, do I feel connected to the world and it, the world isn't an abstract thing. It's not like I feel connected to the oak tree. It's like, no, I mean, did I feel, did you make your difference in the world? That's going to be served and answered through your social impact, your relationships with others. And I have to tell you, after, I've been coaching people for 20 years of my life now. And a lot of people have one friend, you know, in the United States, unfortunately, the number of people with three good friends has declined over the decades. You're like, three good friends? Oh, we got to talk about that. Because some people stumble into friendships or hope for friendships. Just like some people hope to have a loving relationship. Just like some people hope to have a good job. Just like some people hope that, you know, um, they get healthier. And then there's strivers who take life a little bit by the reins and say, no, 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 let me architect that. Let me build that. And I'll give you my own examples today of where I sucked at friendships. And I had to learn how do you do them and how do you create them? And once you know how to create and craft them, life really opens up for you. And it becomes not just more alive and connected, but more meaningful. Like a sense of Meaning happens when we have a, a tapestry of social relationships that are real and impactful. And then, of course, in the middle of that triangle, you always see me draw out growth. That your friend should be lifting you up, not pushing you down. Your friend should be inspiring you to get better. Your friends should have your back, but also be willing to challenge your face. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, your friends are and should be one of your primary growth drivers in life. Most people choose ambitious goals to be their growth driver. Oh, I'm gonna do something that's hard, or I'm gonna try to achieve this amazing thing, I'm gonna try to become a millionaire, or make this difference, or build this company, or you know, have this type of family, and it's this external climb, this thing they're trying to achieve, and too many people forget, it's like, Actually, one of the best drivers of growth isn't 
your job, isn't your goals, it's your friendship circle. And when your friendship circles make you a more alive, deeper, caring, thoughtful, authentic person in the world, I'm telling you what, guess what? At work, you're better. At home, you're better. Your art gets better. Your sense of life lifts. Let me share with you what I really believe to be the two central problems of friendship, okay? The two central problems of friendship. The first one is a failure of uh, each of our own. Like, I'm just taking this on myself as well. It's like we fail in life to realize most of our friendships were assigned, not aligned. Most of our friendships were assigned, not aligned. What I mean by that is many of our friendships happen because group assignment, right? Think about it. Some, some of your best friends, where'd you meet them? School? Your neighborhood? Some other affiliation? Maybe at work? Maybe in a group that you joined? So it was like, oh, we, we showed up somewhere or we were assigned somewhere and there was that, that girl who sat next to me in class. We became friends. Or, oh, I, I worked with this person at work. And we, became, we, we were coworkers. We, we became friends. And these are kind of like assigned friends. And I know that sounds really weird to say, so bear with me a little bit. I don't mean that the manager was like, you're going to be friends here. What I mean is because of your group, your affiliation, or where you were, you kind of met people there, and by default, by you being a good person or communicating or doing stuff with them, you kind of became friends. Versus, that's like an assigned friend. It's like, oh, because we were here, we became friends. Versus an aligned friend, which is, oh, I'm an adult now. What are the types of friends that I want to create that align with my passion, my dreams, my lifestyle, my values, my beliefs, the things that I want of life, and let me go get them, not let them fall into my lap. Which brings up the second designation. And this is hard to say to people, and if you're in a place where you feel lonely in your life, or you feel like you don't have great friendships, I promise this will be so helpful for you today to even know how your own brain thinks. And many of us, and I was this way, probably all the way throughout high school even, I never, and this is the second problem of friendships, I never made the deliberate choice to have remarkable friendships. I kind of ended up with friends. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Who's, who's like ended up with friends? Well, if you kind of just ended up with like this person, it was kind of... Um, my friend, one of my buddies, he goes, he goes, I don't want no rando friends. And it was like random. Now, I love random. I love the universe. I love God. I love coincidence. Listen, I read the Celestine prophecy. People are glowing out there for me. I, I believe in that coincidence stuff. But I can also share with you, like, if you just allow randomness in your life all the time, you'll always feel a sense of mediocrity, too. We have to stretch. We have to choose our life. And to choose our life, we have to be deliberate and go, what kind of life do I want? I would like you to learn to architect your ideal friendships. And 
can you get all of them? And will all your friendships be perfect? I'm not that guy. I'm not here to promise everything's gonna be sweet and perfect and peaches in life. I am here to suggest though, that if you haven't deliberately chosen the types of friendships that you want, that's a problem, especially if you're an adult, right? And that's the thing is, we're just, we're not encouraged to do that. We're Think about how much time People were feeding your ears with the idea you had to be really thoughtful about the career you choose. How many of you ever had more people tell you more times about be so thoughtful about the school you choose, the career you choose, but no one ever said as much, be very thoughtful about the friends and the friendships that you build. And that's why we have a lot of high achieving people who are lonely their whole life. Well, think about your career. What are you going to be one day? Very rarely, what's the type of social network you're going to build around you? What's the type of friendships you're going to architect? What are you going to be proud of in terms of your friends in the future? What do you want your friends to achieve? What do you want your friends to experience in life? Not just what they give you, but what are you going to give out too? What kind of friendship do you want to create and experience? How do you want your friends to actually interact with one another? Have you ever thought about that? We spend so much time, if you're a parent and you have two kids, you're so worried about how they interact, right? I know people who've never even thought, how do I want my friends to interact? I mean, they might think, you know what? We shouldn't put them in a room at a party because they have this history, that background, but very few people are like, I'm gonna actually teach my friends how to be friends with one another. Now, I know some of you might be like, this guy sounds like a control freak. I'm like, I am, but I'm a happy one. You know what I'm saying? I think this is such an important area to architect. Most friends have never talked about how to be friends. They just go, you wanna go to lunch? They go to lunch, they talk about the weather, the waiter, the food, what's going on, they leave. And there's no architecting, there's no, I, I think of like, Social systems are things that can be shaped. You all think like at work, right? How much we talk about at work, building a culture. More books and more people have spent time on this conversation of building culture at work and never the culture of a friendship. Isn't that weird? I don't know where along the line we lost the conversation and the desire to choose to build awesome friendships and a culture of friendship. Meaning, not just friends, most people think of, I want a friend, right? When you're in high school, you just want a friend, right? You're just like, at least I was like, can I get one? You know, it's like, you, you worry about having friendships when you grow up. And usually that means you think, and we're all trained this way, especially in Western cultures. We're taught to have a friend, and we think in a very individualistic mode. I and this person are in relationship, and then you have another friend. I and this person are in relationship. And maybe you go out and you try to get them together, and we have a party. But even at the party, it's individual nodes, me, that friend, and this friend. And I don't get trained as I'm getting older to think as a systems social architect. Oh. Wow, look at all these nodes, if you will, these friends. 
if I like each of these people and I have a relationship with each of these people, why don't, in some way, I weave them together and create a tapestry of friendship where I'm actually connecting the dots and creating a culture of friendship? See, we don't think like that, do we? I was a very kind of solitary child. I was kind of in my own little world. I don't know about you all, but I was definitely be like an introverted kind of child. I, I kind of kept to myself. I liked to play with my toys kind of by myself. Uh, in, in, in elementary school, from what I can remember, I was kind of solo, Brendan. I didn't see social systems, right? I was in a class with kids and a teacher, and I had a relationship with the teacher, and I had a relationship with this person or that person or not, but I couldn't see the class. I couldn't say, oh, you know, like, this group is kind of like this. Instead, it was just like, she likes me or she doesn't. Teachers like that. I didn't see the system. Today, I'd like you to try to see the system a little bit. See the system of the friendships you've built in your life. See the system at play at work. See the system of your culture or your nonprofit or your company. When you can start seeing a bigger picture and get out of your head a little bit, now, Something happens, there, there's connection, there's community. See, everyone says, I want community. I'm like, well, you can't be an individualistic person in the community forever. You have to elevate to seeing the system. If you never be a community member or an effective one or a helpful one, if you can't get out of your head. Well, I'm saying that not as judgment to you, that was me. So there's there no judgment here. If you don't have friends, I'm like, I'm telling you that my story too, I, I, I was, a solo person, I was in my own head. I couldn't see the class, I couldn't see the system. And so I felt apart. And because I felt apart and I couldn't see what was happening and I didn't know how to engage, I was lonely. And then when I finally made a connection with a friend, that friend became my life. Later on that perpetuated into, you know, some of you guys know my story of my first breakup with the, my, my high school sweetheart, I was destroyed because that was my one person, right? That was my one node in the world. And then when that relationship fell apart, I fell apart and became depressed and suicidal. And so how we relate with one or multiple people can completely shape our mental health. I know you already know that. And so I had to learn like, wow, one, I don't want to ever be dependent on one friend. I, I, want to, I, want, I want to build a support system. You ever heard that language before? No one says, go build a supporter. I want you to listen to the language of successful people. When successful people are speaking, they never tell you, go build a supporter. They say, go build what? A support system. A support network. Oh. I got to get out of single node thinking. A node is a one individual unit. And I got to get into the system. I got to stop thinking, does Sally at the class next, does she like me? And if she likes me, my whole life is good or bad or ruined. And I got to go, hmm, there's a class here. There's an energy, a vibe, a spirit. There's rules and norms. There's a culture here that is happening. How do I want to participate in this? And how do I want this culture to happen too in ways that I can affect? What do they want? And we all have to start thinking about that more. 
in a society in which we're supposedly connected, but we've actually become individual nodes in the network. Hey, my friends, it's Brendan Burchard, founder and creator of Growth Day. Welcome to an awesome session where we're going to talk about the leadership principles and practices that can help you have a greater impact in the world, in your family, with your teams, in your community, as you're somebody who wants to be a person of influence. You want to help people. You want to serve people. You want to do something significant with your life that really matters. You got to start working these practices and principles in leadership. Without leadership, we don't make our impact. So I'm pumped to be here today with you and this Growth Day community because that's what we are all about. Our mission is how do we enable you to have a home for personal development? How do we make self-improvement a way of life for you so that you keep getting better and better and better at what you're doing about who you are so you can reach your full potential and so you can serve your highest purpose here? I always begin with principle number one, my biggest belief, my biggest teaching in all of leadership. And it's five simple words. People support what they create. People support what they create. This is the defining leadership principle of my life. Every time I'm working with a leader and they're, they're frustrated with the coworker, they can't get the team to be motivated and energized. The downline isn't performing. The upline isn't listening. We got this problem where you, know, you, you can't mobilize a movement and you, or, or you started a political action committee and it didn't stick or you started your nonprofit and no one contributed. It always comes down to a fundamental misperception about this topic of leadership. Leadership's fundamental principle is that people support they, what they create. If you want people to follow you, they must create with you. They must feel enabled, trusted, empowered, autonomous, capable, rewarded for participating in the journey in what we'll call the vision today, right? If they don't have any hand in shaping it, and if they have no reward, autonomy, or trust, in participating in it, they got no skin in the game. They got no reason to be enthusiastic, excited, hardworking, excellent. So what happens? Well, as you see around the world, it's like we have these command and control old models from you know, the past, these dictatorial ways of leading where it was like, do this, do this, do this, you know, very like, you know, early 1800s stuff that should have been done by the 1950s, but people are still learning. And so you have this situation where a lot of people still think of like, oh, I have positional leadership. I'm the boss or I'm this leader. Everyone needs to only do these things. And it becomes a one-way street or it becomes something where the, the, the leader doesn't have the connection with everybody else because no one has a part in it. They can't play yet. They, they, they don't believe in it yet. Even if they like you, even if they think you're an okay person, even if you had great successes in the past, if you don't get them collaborating to create where we're going, how we're going there, and how we'll be together, they're not interested. They'll pretend, they'll take the paycheck, but they'll be gone in six months. Or when the tough times hit, or the stock price goes down, they're bailing, man, because they're thinking, you know what? I'm not part of this. I'm not part of this. You know, the, the new buzzword of the last decade was certainly culture. 
in organizations, even in our homes, right? Create a culture, create a culture of openness, of diversity, create a culture of enthusiasm, create a culture of accountability, culture, 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 culture. What does that mean? Culture is the outcome of the philosophy that people support what they create. That we're collectively shaping a culture. Well, we collectively shape the leadership journey too. And so if you don't feel like you have buy-in from people, which is the number one complaint of all leaders worldwide in my research at the High Performance Institute, the number one thing I ever found was that leaders are disappointed, discouraged, or demotivated because they don't get buy-in from their teams. Most of the time, they blame the teams. They blame the organizational structure. They blame the old leaders. They blame their spouse, their partner. They blame anybody they can. Why won't the school board listen to me? Why won't this person, they won't do this. I have this idea no one comes along. It's because you have this idea and you didn't invite anyone to come along. You just told people what to do. You told people how to think. You told people how it's supposed to go. And I'm telling you, we live in a participative global culture now where people want a voice. And so much of leadership is understanding where to open conversations to allow diverse voices to come in, have a perspective on something, even if you or the leaders maintain that decision-making authority, the active participation and enrollment of conversation is the difference maker. And your job as a leader, listen to this, is to hold that space, to set the standard, the expectation, the structure for that space for other people to participate. Now, I know some of the leaders out there are like, yeah, but that's super hard, the the timing of that and when, and and some people have a voice, but they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're not an expert, Brendan. Why would I listen to them? And oh my gosh, does this mean more meetings for me? (laughs) Don't worry. This isn't about you doing more meetings just to listen casually. The principle I want you to write down, people, support, what they create. The five most important words in all of leadership, people support what they create. If you get that principle, we can change the world. When you don't get that principle, you don't get the followers. Now, with that, I want to introduce a concept you know, that I've literally been teaching for um, 21 years now. I don't like the word followers. I don't like the word leaders versus, or the, the positioning leaders versus followers. If you've studied with me before, I really believe you have leaders, and instead of followers, you have collaborators. It's just a different way of defining things. Unfortunately, in our, our world, because of popularity and ego, when someone follows you on the internet, it all became about a one-way street. And so now we've ingrained in people's human behavior this idea that I broadcast my world and you should follow it. That's coming to organizations. I tell you what to do and you should follow it. Versus, hey, we're co-creating this organization together. We're co-creating this team. We're co-creating this marriage. We're co-creating this family. Soon as you get that you're co-creating your family together, you're a different styled parent. Most troubles in parenting relationships and familiar relationships come from an old model that it's the parent versus the kids and you do what I say or you're not loved, you're dead to me. That really didn't work so good. We've learned that to have healthy and adaptive children, they need to feel part of the family process. They need to feel connected, cared for, 
and collaborative, literally, in how their day goes, how their life goes. They need to have a, a voice in it. Or later in their life, they're more passive towards chasing what's important to them. They never developed that autonomy early enough. So now, unfortunately, they do. They follow whatever's happened at school. They follow whatever's happening with that peer set. And they follow it often right into places you didn't want them to go. And so by controlling them too much, it removes their autonomy. By removing their autonomy, now they'll follow often the wrong people at the wrong time, stay in the wrong relationships because they didn't develop personal autonomy. Why? Because someone in their life too late failed to realize that this person had to be participating in shaping their life, their days, their weeks, their dreams, their destiny earlier. And I think that's so important in this world today where you get a lot of blind followership to ideology or darker kind of like, like, like the darker side of humanity where people don't question or they don't think because they haven't been participating in shaping their life. And we have to be aware of that as leaders. It's like, oh, you're gonna have some people on your team who are super participative and other people, they were never given autonomy or trust or a voice and they're super smart but you're not getting enough from them. They just need to be enrolled to participate in a different way than the person who's always had the benefit of being in communities where they were heard. We live in a world right now where so many people have never actually been heard. Then we expect them to perform as high performers in their organizational settings. It's like, oh, you have to be aware of these things. Some members of your team and some members of your family haven't been heard, haven't felt heard, haven't allowed, been allowed space for it. And I don't just mean listen to, I mean being allowed space to make decisions together about what's important. And that's just so critical. People support what they create. So you gotta be thinking, I would love for you to evaluate yourself as a leader, go, okay, on a scale, this is the workshop part, this is personal development, right? We're gonna do the work. If you wrote down people support what they create, I'm curious, on a scale of one to 10, one, yeah, you, am, like, you, you don't get that. <laughs> one's a bad number, okay? One's the worst. I won't give you a zero, we'll give you a one. And then there's 10. I'm gonna ask you two questions to score yourself here. One to 10. First score, how conscious have you been about this principle? Like when I say people who support their great, you're like, oh yeah, I get that. I've been doing that. I'm aware of that. That's important to me. One has not been on my radar. 10, that's been on my radar. Did you know the higher you score on that, the higher life satisfaction you have, the higher connection you have with your employees, the longer your employees tend to stay employees. Um, I know that's not, you're not all organizational leaders, but it basically means that the better you've been conscious about this and practicing it, the happier your culture, your team, and others are. They want to be on that journey. So put that front of dashboard. I call it front of radar. Like that, that's on your radar. That's on your dashboard. Have I been leading in this style or at least aware of this? People support what they create. Okay, got it. The second way I'd love you to score that is to take a look at the most critical members of your team, maybe this is your executive team 
or the most important people in your life, your family, and look at each of them individually through this lens. It's like, oh, has this person been co-creating the experience with me? Have they been active in that or passive in that? And not as a judgment to them, like a one, they're bad. It's that, oh, if they are a one, I, as a leader, need to create a process, a rhythm, a meeting, an opportunity for this person to get some decision-making authority, to establish some trust, to, if anything, to be heard more in meetings. Maybe this person is never called on. They never get the opportunity. And you're gonna like, oh, I'm gonna be aware this person has not been participating. And I need that participation from them if we're gonna have long-term success and we need to participate together. So let me have that. So I'm always thinking about that. Of, and when I work with leaders and I coach them in high performance, it's always about, okay, let's work through your team. Walk, let's walk through this principle and let's talk about each of these critical team members. And do they feel empowered to be part of the process? Because people support what they create is ultimately people being part of the process. Because guess what? When they're part of the process, they've helped come up with the decisions. They're working towards something they had a hand in. They fight for it. They stay focused on it. They have ego and decision-making in that process, and they want to protect it. When someone has an idea, you know what they want to do? They want to own that. They want to protect that. They want to perpetuate that. They want to ensure that that idea lives. And they'll do that sometimes, sanely and unsanely. You can look at across humanity, the, the worst of the human conditions and human actions in the world came from people who had an idea, and they believed it. And they shaped it and they fought for it till death when it was destructive towards others. And the most beautiful parts, the better angels of our nature came from those times in which we had an idea. We were participative in that idea, continuing shaping it, evolving it, making it even better. And as we made that even better, oh, okay, we, we made it together better together. We'll fight for it. We'll participate in it, but we'll do it for positive ends, it's a difference maker, isn't it? That's a different way of thinking and it changed the shape of history. And you saw people still, we're still refining what our republic is and how it works together. We're still trying to figure out our systems and our rules. We're still working on an active democracy. And that's an incredible thing and an incredible blessing. And it's one reason why the country at least globally, as I'm filming this, leads the world, right? People support what they create. Now, I don't want to get political with you where there's people like, oh, I don't agree with this, or oh, those Americans, or whatever. I'm just here to say there is definable, demonstrable, and great examples across organizations, across political systems, across socioeconomic systems, that when people are allowed to participate, better ideas come up, people have more buy-in, people stay committed over the long term, humans become more resilient themselves. It's important. It's so important. So please take, a, take an active role in this day. Score yourself. Be honest. And think about this and how you can amplify this. If all you did is understand this principle and you practice this principle at the deepest levels, you would so far surpass almost everybody you're working with. I promise. Hey, it's Brendan from the studio here. I want to jump in one more time and tell you about one of our partners, and that is Kajabi. 
If you've ever seen any of my marketing online or you have gotten an email from me or you've just admired kind of what we built by selling, you know, 20 plus blockbuster online courses or where I go live in my membership areas or how I accept money online now well over $100 million over the years. How do I do all that? I've always used Kajabi. It's spelled K-A-J-A-B-I. And Kajabi just helps online entrepreneurs take flight because we all have to do the same thing, right? We have to figure out, okay, how do I build a web page? How do I capture emails and send emails and funnels and uh, newsletters? How do I put content up that's for free, but also content up that's behind a paywall that I can charge money for? How do I build those membership sites? How do I organize my podcast or my blog? How do I accept money and create checkouts and order bumps and one-click upsells? How does all of that actually work? You know, if you're a life coach, how do you actually talk to a client and connect with them and schedule with them and serve them and give them a member's portal area? If you're teaching online courses, how do you actually put up the course and set up automations to sell the course and to trigger things like an email to go out when they successfully complete one of your modules? Kajabi does all of that. You even get templates that I helped build and I personally wrote to help you write even better emails to your audience. That's at kajabi.com, K-A-J-A-B-I.com. If you wanted the system that most of us in the thought leader or the expert economy really use and we've relied on for years, go to kajabi.com. Hey, it's Brendan. And I wanna tell you about Circle and how powerful it is if you're trying to build your online community outside of Facebook groups. You know, I had this problem a couple of years ago where I just started noticing when I was running a Facebook group, um, really Facebook was incentivized to kind of steal my customer and steal my audience. So they'd recommend other things I didn't like, or honestly, my members were losing my posts in the feed. I didn't really have the information or the data about the people in the group that I wanted. It was hard to actually communicate with them offline, out of the group. And most importantly, it was hard to sell stuff and have an actual business from it without driving them to other places. And then came along Circle. And it's just at the website circle.so. So just go to circle.so. And you can see that they have built this incredible platform that allows you to host a community, go live in that community, and really segment the community into these different spaces where you can give people access to different levels of content or community, which I absolutely love. Because you know, in my businesses, I've got new people coming in, I've got paying members coming in, I've got all these different products or courses or programs, and, and they've always had these different logins, they've been all over the place. Now with Circle, it's in one place. My community can meet there. They can post, I can post, we can use like multimedia posts as well. They can post video or audio, so can I. I can organize things, all of my content in very unique places and grant access to only some people. And of course, I can have my team in there moderating the whole community with me. Everybody needs this. Everyone's trying to build their community, but they struggle. Like what system or what tools do you need to use or have? Trust me, building it out on your own, not an option. Too expensive, 
too time consuming. So go to circle.so and check it out. If you're trying to build a community and really maintain control of that community and do a great job serving them and building a business from it, go to circle.so.